This is the Altamont Enterprise editorial. We must not abandon our constitutional rights. The state of New York, during President Donald Trump's first week in office, is battling for its soul. The state's elected leaders are seeking to preserve the rights they believe the United States Constitution and the nation's laws provide for citizens and for refugees. Our electronic mailbox at the newspaper has been filled with their pronouncements. After Trump's executive order on Friday, January 27th, to deport citizens from seven predominantly Muslim countries attempting to enter the United States, including green card holders, legal residents who had been through rigorous vetting, Governor Andrew Cuomo stated the next day, quote, I never thought I'd see the day when refugees who have fled war-torn countries in search of a better life would be turned away at our doorstep. We are a nation of bridges, not walls, and a great many of us still believe in the words, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, he concluded, quoting the poem at the base of the Statue of Liberty that stands in New York's harbor, welcoming generations of immigrants. Congressman Paul Tonko, representing the Capital Region, issued a statement on Sunday, quote, Many of the refugees affected by President Trump's actions are families that face real dangers from America's most brutal enemies if they are forced to return. The vetting process they went through to get here was already extreme. Throwing them back to the wolves is beyond wrong. It is inhuman and un-American. End quote. On Monday, January 30th, Tonko ish- announced introduction of the Statue of Liberty Values Act, a bill that would rescind Trump's order banning travel from seven Muslim countries and suspend the United States refugee program. Quote, this program is not only safe, it makes us safer by showing the world that we stand by our principles and protect those who cherish them, Tonko said. In the process, we have welcomed world-class doctors, engineers, innovators, business people, and so many other contributing members of our communities, end quote. On Saturday, New York's Attorney General Eric Schneiderman stated, quote, President Trump's executive action against war refugees represents a new low in modern American foreign policy, and it is incumbent on us to fight back. The next day, after several federal courts ordered to stay on Trump's executive order, Schneiderman issued a release saying that he and the attorneys general from 15 other states, California, Pennsylvania, Washington, Massachusetts, Hawaii, Virginia, the District of Columbia, Connecticut, Vermont, Illinois, New Mexico, Iowa, Maine, and Maryland, would work together to ensure the federal government obeys the Constitution, respects our history as a nation of immigrants, and does not unlawfully target anyone because of their national origin or religion. He went on, Religious liberty has been and always will be the bedrock principle of our country, and no president can change that truth. What we see happening is individual states and even individual cities taking on the president while others support his initiatives. 
While we're pleased to live in a state that values the laws of our land and the richness of our immigrant heritage, we see the splintering from these hasty and ill-thought-out executive orders as potentially devastating for all Americans, in red states as well as blue states. Will immigrants who feel threatened move to states that protect them? And what about global issues like climate change? If a state like New York is progressive in requiring half of its electricity to come from renewable sources by 2020, where does that leave us in competing with states that lift all regulations for carbon emissions? And more importantly, where does that leave the world as natural disasters increase with climate change? As a local paper, we look at national issues through a local lens. Two weeks ago, when Schneiderman issued guidelines for police departments across the state to follow as part of the sanctuary movement, he stated, Public safety relies on trust between law enforcement and the communities they serve. No local law enforcement agency should have to undercut that trust just to carry out Donald Trump's draconian immigration policies. The heart of his model is that police should be instructed not to question a person's immigration status unless they have a reason, like a court order, to do so. Schneiderman says that his model, in addition to protecting vulnerable communities and promoting public safety, would insulate local departments from legal liabilities for violating the Fourth Amendment. An important part of the Bill of Rights, the Fourth Amendment says, quote, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized." Subsequent to Schneiderman's issuing his model, in which he quoted from many leaders of so-called sanctuary cities, including Albany's mayor, Kathy Sheehan, Trump issued an executive order on Wednesday, January 25th, denying federal funding to sanctuary cities. This directive got far less notice than Trump's other directive issue that day on building a wall between the United States and Mexico which Trump has said would cost between 8 and $12 billion, but an analysis from MIT said would cost upward of $38 billion, but is equally as troubling. We believe the order is unconstitutional and sets a dangerous precedent as it requires cities and states to follow a presidential order without authorization from Congress. Time and time again, the United States Supreme Court has ruled that the federal government cannot commandeer state and local officials by compelling them to enforce federal law, a violation of the Tenth Amendment. The Tenth Amendment says, quote, The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or the people, end quote. It is, is, it is as if our nation has returned to the bitter battle that led to the Bill of Rights in the first place, limiting federal power by guaranteeing personal freedoms and rights. 
those compromises have stood us in good stead for nearly 230 years. Why should we abandon them now? We spoke with two level-headed local leaders to see where Trump's directive and the countervailing responses from our state leaders left them. Schneiderman answered Trump's executive orders on sanctuary cities losing their funding by saying, the president lacks the constitutional authority to cut off funding to states and cities simply because they have lawfully acted to protect immigrant families. Local governments seeking to protect their immigrant communities from federal overreach have every right to do so. Gilderland's police chief, Carol Lawler, said that, well, her department in the past has worked with Immigration and Customs Enforcement, a federal agency known as ICE. For instance, in recent arrests at Gilderland's massage parlor, she said, we would not stop people for what they look like. She also said, without proper authorization, such as a court warrant, we don't go out and collect information. Lawler said the biggest case in her decades-long career with the Gilderland Police Department was the still unsolved 2014 murder of a Chinese family, a mother, father, and their two young sons. Lawler said the district attorney made the right move when he announced anyone with information about the crime should come forward and report it, that their status in the country wouldn't be relevant. That instills trust, Lawler said. What they had to say would be important. Solving the crime was important, not their status. Lawler concluded of Trump's January 25th directive. It's all so new. We'll do whatever we're legally supposed to be doing. Ah, there's the rub. What is a police department legally supposed to be doing? Following a presidential directive? Or following the guidelines set out by the state's attorney general? We would hope local and state police departments would follow constitutional law before a presidential directive that lacks congressional backing, but it puts them in an untenable position. Perhaps a state law will soon provide some guidance. A bill was just proposed last week by Assemblyman Francisco Moya from Queens, who writes in a memo, quote, Currently in New York State, many immigrants avoid interaction with state and local agencies out of distrust or fear. Immigrants should not have to fear reporting crimes to the police or seeking emergency health care. In addition to ensuring immigrants aren't denied access to state or local services, Moya's bill would keep state and local agencies from helping the federal government create or maintain registries on the basis of race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, national, or ethnic origin. The same dilemma local police now face, choosing between federal and state directives, may soon vex school leaders as well. Currently, public school systems are working under a federal directive that requires them to accept all students who live in their district. In 2011, the federal departments of justice and of education issued guidelines so that schools across the country would understand their responsibilities under the Supreme Court's decision in Plyler v. Doe and federal civil rights laws to provide all children with equal access to an education regardless of their or their parents' immigration status. 
quote, we're not allowed to ask about documentation, said Marie Wiles, superintendent of the Gilderland Schools. When a student comes to us, our job is to register the student. We never ask for paperwork to verify citizenship. We follow all the rules. But what if the rules were to change? Following the trajectory of Trump's directives thus far, we asked the state education department what its stance would be if the federal government were to require schools to turn over information on students with undocumented families. We admire Education Department spokeswoman Jean Beattie for giving an on-the-record response to our question. Every child, she said, regardless of immigration status, has the right to attend school where he or she lives. That's the law in New York, and it's simply the right thing to do. We are closely monitoring actions taken at the federal level, she said. We agree with that stance and fervently hope schoolhouse doors will remain open to all. In the meantime, Wiles described for us a school system that could well serve as a model for the rest of America. Overall, our students embrace diversity, she said. Wiles said there were some ripples of worry after Trump's election when several students voiced concern they couldn't stay here. When we spoke with her, Wiles had just come from a classroom at Gilderland Elementary School, which, like Westmere Elementary School, has close to 20% of its students coming from families who are new to the United States. It looked like the United Nations, she said of the Gilderland classroom. The students were working together, happily helping each other. Wiles said the district's outreach to foreign students goes beyond the classroom, involving their parents and others in school functions and multicultural events. She concluded... I don't know what the future will bring. I'm confident that Gilderland will continue to welcome children and give them a safe place to learn and give them a model for what America is all about. We hope her vision is sustained. Whether it's marching in the streets or backing local measures, Albany County is a sanctuary county, Gilderland is a sanctuary town, or state measures that protect our constitutional rights, we urge our readers to get and stay involved.